0: This is the Point of Drew podcast.
1: Doing well. A, an action packed episode lies ahead. Uh, we'll be starting things off with Jersey Corner. Uh, recap a little bit of NFL um, week 11 action and then jumping right into it. A, a big interview with, uh, with Jackson Mitchell that we're excited to, to get to here.
2: Definitely really pumped for this interview. Uh, you know, had Jackson Mitchell on, former SMU football legend. Uh, he comes on, talks about his, uh, his path to, to playing at SMU. Talks about uh, you know going up against guys like Johnny Manziel and Kyler Murray, uh, a lot of fun stuff in that interview. You guys are gonna love that.
1: Yeah, man. He's uh, he's an awesome guest, an awesome guy in general. Um, actually, has a podcast that we'll cover a little bit as well, called the Walk On Mentality Podcast. So uh, lo- a lot of good stuff ahead. Um, can't wait to get to that. But um, as always, we'll be starting things off with Jersey Corner right after a quick read from our friends over at Show's Bagels. In sports and in life, dynamic duos can make all the difference when it comes to winning and losing. Shaq and Kobe, Brady and Gronk, Barton and Zahn, the list goes on and on. Having the perfect combination has proven time and time again to matter when it means the most. Nobody knows the value of the dynamic duo better than our good friends at Show's Bagels. Pair any of their famous bagels, rolls, or wraps with your choice of freshly brewed hot or iced coffee and start your morning off with a W. Shooks is open all week from 7 a.m. to 3 p.m. Go pay him a visit in Park City's Village near SMU campus and on social media at Shooks Bagels. Shooks Bagels, the bagel that Texas deserves.
2: All right, we're back again, Jersey Corner. This is the 11th episode. We will be breaking down the best athletes to ever wear the jersey number 11. Uh, It's a pretty good number. There's some good names on this list, but Barton, kick us off for it. Kick it off for us. Who do you got? Yeah, man. Crazy to to think we're already at um, jersey number 11, but I'll just jump right
1: into it. We'll start with a few honorable mentions, as always. Um, Number 11 was worn uh, by some great college point guards. Um, so some 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 really good hoopers at the college level. Steve Nash wore it in college uh, when he, when he spent some time at Santa Clara, um, all time assist leader there. And so he he uh, he wore it well, uh, you could say. Uh, my guy D Brown too. D Brown, remember him at the yeah. Illinois team with, oh, yeah. with Darren Williams. He he wore eleven that the Luther head team well that they made the Final Four back in uh, in two thousand four two thousand five season. And so he was a great one. And then of course John Wall. Um, those teams that he was on with Boogie, uh, wearing an, an 11 at, at Kentucky, um, clearly peaked early, has not had the same success uh, probably in the NBA as he did in, in, in that high school, college type time zone. But, um, but yeah, so a lot of college point guards rocked 11, and then you'll like this one. H- had to give him a shout. Ryan Perlou, <laughs> uh the old LSU quarterback. Never, never truly started a season end-to-end, but um, definitely gets a shout because it was maybe the swaggiest college QB ever. Um, maybe Dennis Dixon's up there, the Oregon guy, but um, I think Paraloo um, is definitely up there in terms of swag and could have been a great player at LSU if he wasn't um, dismissed from the team for all that stuff he did.
2: <laughs> yeah, uh, unfortunately got dismissed, but that's a great answer. Great shout out, Ryan Paraloo. Uh, you had some cool honorable mentions there. All those point guards, Nash, D. Brown, uh, John Wall, that's a, that's a solid crew there. Uh, definitely some cool, cool dudes on that list. Who you got? Um, so I'm going to start out by just giving you three names of guys that I wanted to shout out but just missed the cut. Um, aren't quite honorable mentions, but do deserve a shout out. Uh, first one, going to the man, Clay Thompson. Uh, you know, obviously a rough week for Clay, torn Achilles. Um, so you know, really hoping Clay comes back and, and recovers from that because that dude is one of the most loved players in the entire league. Um, sports in general, maybe uh, really rare for a player to be like a part of a dynasty like he is, and still be so loved by you know fans. Uh, yeah, no all, one's no playing. Yeah, so hope Clay gets better, but definitely gets a shout out for repping eleven. Uh, another one goes to Kyrie Irving. Might have the best handle ever, best dribbler uh, we've probably ever seen. So nice jelly game as well. Absolutely, man, Kyrie. He's uh, got a fuck package. <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh sure Martin. <laughs> uh but yeah shout out to Kyrie definitely gets a get to um you know word for for repping 11 and then the last guy I wanted to give a shout out to is Larry Fitzgerald uh for as long as I can remember watching f- uh football Larry Fitzgerald has just been around catching passes scoring touchdowns just being the guy that you can rely on uh every single night when he's on the field so Larry Fitzgerald a true legend uh definitely gets a shout out for me Got to got to
1: shout out Larry, Um, Fitz is. What's he been around for like two decades now, and he's still still doing his thing. Um, He's awesome, and so that that's a great segue into my winner, Uh, my favorite, best to ever do it at number eleven. I'm going, I'm rocking with our guy Larry Fitz. Let's go.
2: Um,
1: He's from a stats perspective. I mean, behind Jerry Rice in terms of second all time in receptions and receiving yards, and so. Um, is up there from a production standpoint. He's one of the greats. The, he's just an all-around good dude. I mean, Absolutely. the ultimate pro. Um, you know, been doing it, like you said, uh, day in and day out for years. Just a winner. Uh, a guy that brings it every day. Um, and truly is uh, kind of who you think about when you when you see 11. It's like, oh, that's that's Fitz. And uh, another thing I wanted to shout on Fitz, new minority owner of the Suns, actually, v- very recently. And so mm-hmm. now that Larry's involved, uh, I expect D-Book and those boys to, to be going places now. So, You heard it here first, Suns are on the come up, and uh, Larry Fitz, best to ever do it for me at number 11.
2: Yeah, rumors are that uh, Larry Fitz is the one who pulled off the Chris Paul to to Phoenix trade. He definitely (laughs) had his uh, (laughs) hands in that one. Um, Definitely. Um, So I got one honorable mention, and then I'll give you my winner. So I did want to give an honorable mention to Teresa Weatherspoon, the WNBA legend. mm -hmm. Uh, You know, great at everything she did on the court. She was number two all-time in uh, assists in WNBA history. Uh, She had several Defensive Player of the Year awards. Um, led the Liberty to the Finals uh, a few times. and uh, She had one super memorable play. was a half-court buzzer-beating game winner in the WNBA Ooh. Finals. Uh, they call in it the, the shot. Wow. Yeah, it was to win uh, Game 2, I believe, of the Finals, uh, which was insane. But I wanted to give her a shout-out because uh, recently she's been in the news. Just got promoted uh, to be an assistant NBA uh, coach with the New Orleans Pelicans, joining uh, Stan Van Gundy's staff in New Orleans. Uh, becoming just the eighth woman to do so. So uh, pretty cool stuff there. Shout out to Teresa Weatherspoon. But my winner for the award, Isaiah Thomas. The two-time champ, uh, you know, the bad boys, Pistons. It. Uh, no one gave Jordan more trouble than Isaiah in those teams. Uh, you know, Thomas quite arguably had the single best NBA Finals game performance uh, of all time in that game against the Lakers where, uh early in the game he sprained his ankle he could barely even walk to the bench uh and and still manages to score 44 points in that game scored 25 points in a single quarter after the injury um you know he just knew how to take it to a whole new level so um you know that they are one game away from three peating um in that year so incredible stuff from Isaiah Thomas definitely uh deserves this award from my perspective so I'm giving it to him as the best to ever wear number 11. Yeah man I love both of those I love the Teresa Weatherspoon shout out
1: and she's joining SVG staff and uh with the Pelicans that's yep. exciting stuff and then of course IT time uh a certified bucket getter and probably more of a nuisance a, a thorn Georgian <laughs> side definitely. than anyone than anyone else
2: um and so he definitely uh sh- should deserve that one absolutely so there you have it we've got isaiah thomas and larry fitzgerald is the best to ever wear number 11 we'll be right back we'll break down everything that happened this weekend uh, as it pertains to the nfl week 11 uh, we have some good stuff coming up we'll be right back
1: is in the books, and I am officially depressed. Uh, My guy, Joey Burrow, goes down uh, in in Washington today with what looks like a torn ACL, Um, likely will be out for the remainder of the season, so it's been a a tough day. It's been a sad day um, for for the Point of Drew podcast, for for me uh, individually, (laughs) um, for any any Joey Joey Burrow fans, Joey Covers, um, the legend Joey B., uh, so Joey, we wish you uh, the best of luck with your recovery. Get back soon. Looking forward to uh, to seeing you slinging slinging passes around um, for the Bengals again here real soon. So uh, definitely the damper of the day, but um, you know despite that, there was some other interesting action going on. Uh, but really, that was that was the primary storyline I wanted to to touch on to start, just because from a guy who's having an all time season uh, as a rookie, um, you hate to see. Uh, the, the game as a whole, the NFL as a whole, lose. Because the Bengals now, I mean, officially relegated to unwatchable, um, which is which
2: is just tough for the league in general. But yeah, we, we wish Joey uh, a quick and speedy recovery. Definitely, I I wanted to lead in with that too, because that was definitely the big takeaway from uh, from the weekend, um, was the Burrow injury. So I mean, just to add on to what you said. Uh, he was you know coming in showing a ton of promise. Looked like he was you know everything was. You know, trending his way, and he might be the guy that was gonna turn around Cincinnati, but uh, just maybe delayed by a year now. So, hoping he, uh, you know, gets healthy, stays encouraged, gets back. is a uh, He's a lot of fun to watch. So, yep. prayers up to Joey B. Get back. Well, you'll be good. But, uh, yeah, never how you want to, uh, you know, see a rookie go down
1: 100%. And so we don't we don't need to dwell on that one for too long. Uh, but speaking of the that division, we'll stay in that uh, AFC North. Uh, the Baltimore Ravens uh, lose again. That's three of the last four. Um, they lose in overtime to the Titans in uh, Tractor Cito, uh Mr. Derrick Henry. Um, the Ravens now fall to third place in the AFC North, and so – um, this one it was a pretty fun game, two pretty good teams, right? Um, it looks seems like the Titans are the better one. The, a fun one for this game, the the pre and post game drama that I was breaking out The, the Titans were really um, there's some extracurricular stuff going on before the game. They're hyped up, kind of talking that shit to the Ravens, and uh, um, I don't think Harbaugh liked it all that much. He went up to to Vrabel and w- was kind of saying, "Hey man, get your guys in check." And Vrabel just kind of stonewalled and stared <laughs> yeah. at him. was like, bro, this is the NFL. Um, you know, we don't. We can play some games here if it's gonna. You know, me and our guys have a have a little bit of a mental
2: edge. So I like I like seeing that out of Rabel and it ended up uh, ended up helping the team get it done. Yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, it's always fun when teams come into to a game with that kind of mentality. They were just you know ready to battle. And then uh, you know Harbaugh didn't take it so well. I guess he didn't even shake uh, wouldn't shake Rabel's hand after the mm-hmm. game. Just kind of waved him off and walked off the field. Uh, so yeah, that that was a fun one. And like you said, an overtime game. Uh, came down to just Derrick Henry getting it done in overtime. Uh, had like a, a about a 25-yard run, I think, for that uh, you know won the game for yep. him. Uh, Derrick Henry just looked unstoppable as always. He's the hardest player in the league to bring down, and proved that again today. And a really solid win for Tennessee in a, in a game that they really needed to come out and prove themselves, um, and they did exactly that. Yeah, Tennessee's been a little bit up and down, but uh, I think we can say they're. They're officially pretty good. They're solid. They are. They're definitely solid. Definitely have cemented themselves, um, you know, right in the, the middle of the playoff hunt. And so, you know, speaking of the playoff hunt, Barton, I just wanted to, to hear. First, we'll just start uh, on the AFC, like we've been talking about. But yeah. how is this playoff picture forming for you right now in the AFC? What's the race look like? Let's get a little update.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And so in the AFC, uh, the AFC and the NFC are actually quite different, in my opinion, at this point in time. Um the AFC is is a little bit uh more locked up I would say. Um it's really a battle for the one seed at this point between the Steelers and the Chiefs. They seem like the two legitimate contenders above above the rest and there's a pack of of seven teams um playing for those remaining uh those five extra spots. so There's seven there's seven playoff spots this year in the AFC. So between the Steelers and the Chiefs, you know, one of those teams will have the one seed, one will have the two seed and then it's really a battle for those last five spots between, you know, the Titans and the Colts. One of those teams got to win the South. Um, you've got the Bills and the Fins as well. One of those teams has to win the East. Um, and then really three three teams left um, for that kind of final spot or so in, in the Browns, uh, the Ravens, and the Raiders. Um, I think the Pats pretty much eliminated themselves today after that loss to the Texans. And so um, it's a little bit jumbled up. So there's there's a lot of – I guess six weeks left. Most teams have six games left, and so a lot, a lot can still happen. But, um, you know, really w- what I would say more than anything is that uh, kind of final thought on the AFC is that, you know, this is a conference that's really going to be decided between two teams, I think the Chiefs and the Steelers. It's ultimately come down to, I think, uh, if anything, I think the Titans would be that third team. But they're from a defensive standpoint, I just haven't seen enough from them. So I really think uh, ultimately the, the AFC is coming down to just the Chiefs and the Steelers at this point.
2: Yeah, I think you're you're probably right on with that. Um, Chiefs and Steelers have for sure, you know, pulled ahead of the field and, and you know let it be known that they are the two best teams in uh, in the AFC. Uh, but then pivoting over to the NFC side of things, um, you know, the big game today uh, re- really in the NFC probably was the New Orleans Atlanta game. For as much as Atlanta is out of it, um, New Orleans still had something to prove without Drew Brees today. So. Uh, New Orleans made that decision to, to go ahead and start Taysom Hill over Jameis Winston which uh, got quite a bit of blowback and a lot of people were talking about it and you know the pregame, um, you know kind of all week since that was announced and uh, you know it ended up that uh, you know the Saints may have made the right decision there. Taysom Hill came out played really well uh, ran it in for a couple touchdowns and uh, you know easily won that game over, over a Falcons team who um, has kind of started to slowly turn things around but uh, good win for New Orleans without Breeze. Yeah, Saints Saints look like the class of the uh, the NFC at this point. Uh,
1: they've got the best record. They're, they're starters out uh, in Drew Breeze, but uh, Taysom had it rolling today. He he always wants to default and run, you can tell, but he did a good job of, of refraining and, and, and being a pass-first guy for much of the, the game today against Atlanta, and really it's the Saints' defense that's kind of really caught fire here the last few weeks and been the difference maker, I think, and so... Um, just in that NFC playoff picture, I think the Saints are kind of leading the way there at the, kind of the best chance to get the one seed at this point, especially with the Packers. I mean, they've got those two tiebreaker wins over uh, the Bucs who would, who would be competition for that one seed. And then the Packers as well, who are in contention for that loss today to the Colts. So I really like the Saints at this point to to be in kind of the
2: driver's seat to get that by, even with Breeze. Um, probably going to miss a couple more weeks here. Yeah, I agree with you. I think uh, the, the Saints definitely control their own destiny at this point. I think they have uh you know they know exactly what's in front of them exactly what they need to do to to grab that number one overall spot in the nfc um like you said green bay lost to the colts today in uh, in overtime on a pretty costly uh marquez valdez scantling uh fumble right at the beginning of overtime that led to that colts field goal to win it um we saw arizona take a loss in the thursday night game uh seattle was the one who won that game so they uh you know, stayed put there and, and are definitely still riding contention for it. But interesting the way things are shaking out in the NFC. Um, you know, g- give us a little update on what you see the playoff picture looking like there. Yeah,
1: so that, that NFC playoff picture has actually really come into form. Um, I think there's pretty much seven teams that are, are locked almost at this point into the playoff. Uh, with the exception, the Bears suppo- statistically have a chance, but I mean, come on. <laughs> any, any, any person who's watched the Bears knows that, you know, they have no chance in hell. Of uh, of making it around there, that team is bad news. Um, but yeah, so I think there's seven teams really locked in at this point. I think you have um, you know the Saints probably looking like the, the the most likely option to have that one seed. Um, but then the Bucks, uh, a, a good team, a good record as well, will likely um, get that 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 first wild card spot so that fifth seed. Um, I think the Packers are looking like with just given the the ease of the rest of their schedule that they'll they'll likely win the North and get the two seed. Um, and then at this point in time, the West, right? There's three teams competing for, um, you know, the really what is the, that one of those final um, two wild card spots or the the division title. And I think Seattle's win on Thursday was huge because I think they have the easiest remaining schedule of those other um, NFC West teams, including the Rams and the Cardinals. And uh, really, it could come down to that Week 16 game they have against the Rams. Um, and, and so I, I like just giving the schedule, the Seahawks to come in with the three seed um, and the Rams and the cards to fill in at the, the two wild, last wild card spots. And then it really just comes down to who, who wants to step up and win that <laughs> NFC East for the final, uh, the playoff spot. And that one is, is wide open. Um, anyway, yeah, all,
2: all, all four of the teams in the NFC East right now uh, have three wins. Uh, everyone's three and seven except for the Eagles who are three, six, and one because of that uh, tie yeah. they had early on the season. Um, so the only reason they're winning the division at this moment is because of that win percentage having that tie gives them a the little edge uh, but the NFC East is wide open for anyone to take so um, you know we, we could say that's going to be an interesting one to watch but I don't think the NFC East is, uh, is actually one we want to recommend anyone to watch. <laughs> no absolutely not but um, you know the G-Men for instance they've been playing a little bit better
1: they look a little bit frisky so uh, they do have a pretty brutal schedule remaining, but they have a chance to maybe make a run there. And, you know, of course, it'll probably come down to that Eagles tie. And I could see that easily being the difference maker in terms of uh, them getting the uh, becoming NFC East champions. And so, really, the final thought with the, uh, the NFC playoff picture um, the NFC East is horrible. And I think any team. Um, in the conference that is likely to make the playoffs can can win the NFC besides that, that NFC East champion. So you got the Saints, the Packers, the Seahawks, the Buccaneers, the Rams, and the Cardinals. That's six teams all with the chance to win the NFC. So pretty wide open at this point. Should be a, a, a super fun
2: playoffs if, if that's how it ends up. Yeah, definitely. And uh, you know, same thing, like you said, the the AFC has a clear tier where the Chiefs and Steelers are ahead of everyone else, like we like we said just a few minutes ago, the NFC to me doesn't quite have that tier. Um, it's kind of a mix of like you said. There's like four or five teams that are in that top tier in the NFC East or in the NFC uh, playoff picture, but I don't think any of those teams have quite uh, proven that they are a tier above the rest of the uh, the league. So uh, just kind of interesting the way that that is forming out in the NFC. Yeah, no one. I'm. I'm totally sold on by any
1: means in the exactly. uh, in the nfc so exactly we'll see as that one continues to play out but it's crazy we're through 11 weeks so uh coming kind of hitting the final stretch you really are yeah. to, to enjoying
2: the, the last six or so games yeah definitely coming down to that final stretch uh probably only about three weeks left of a uh, fantasy football before right. the uh, the playoffs are starting so uh coming up on that time of the year where uh stuff's starting to matter every game is is big and uh, you know, we, we learn a lot from the wins, a lot from the losses, and uh, they really matter now. So it's going to be fun to watch, but we are through 11 weeks. Uh, and that season's kind of flying by. Yeah. Yeah, so that'll do it for the uh, Week 11 NFL recap. Um, we're going to take a quick
1: break, but we will be right back with our podcast Jackson. what is going on point of drew listeners it is a monumental moment in point of drew history we got our first big time guest on the show today we got jackson mitchell jay mitchdo he's the founder and host of the walk-on mentality podcast and he's a former walk-on himself a a linebacker at smu um so it's a pleasure to have you on jackson what's going on man
0: Man, it is an absolute honor and a privilege to be on the Point of Drew podcast. I appreciate y'all boys having me on. I'm excited to get to uh, chop it up with you guys.
2: Absolutely. We've been excited for it. Excited uh, just for the listeners to, to get to know some about you and a little bit about your uh, podcast. But first, I wanted to just kind of hear a little bit more about your playing career. Um, and we'd love for you to just take it back to where it all started at South Lake Carroll in high school.
0: Yeah, so... South Lake Carroll, um I know my my hosts here are KC boys, so don't know the audience too well, but if you're listening from outside the state of Texas, um Southlake Carroll is high school football powerhouse. Um, uh, you know, Texas football, high school football is a religion, so um it's funny. Like I moved there when I was ten and I had no idea what I was getting myself into. South Lake, Texas, high school football, that's king. Um and so you know, I got there when I was 10, threw me in the pee wee leagues, and I was this fat little kid, so right off the bat, I was stuck playing, like, offensive and defensive line. I had a red stripe on the back of my helmet, um, super pigeonholed as a kid, and then as I developed, I decided, like, okay, I don't I don't want to play line forever. Um, you know, no disrespect to the O-linemen and D-linemen, they're very important, but I wanted to be a little more athletic in what I was doing. Um so I started working out harder and ended up transitioning to linebacker um, once I got to my sophomore year, actually. So I played defensive end my freshman year in high school, and then sophomore year, I transitioned to outside linebacker.
2: Um,
1: yeah. And, uh, and from my understanding, we Z and I had a chance to do some research, and once you hit that linebacker spot, you kind of found your mold. As I understand, three-year letter winner. Um, you're all district that senior year with a a, a crazy se a little bit of a crazy season, 128 tackles. So it's like 10 per game. Thanks uh, <laughs> for uh, yeah. back in Texas, man. You had a, you had a crazy career at Southlake. So let's let's hear about that a little bit,
0: man. So it's it's funny. Like I honestly didn't know I was number six in Texas. So when I when I heard that, I was like, "What? Okay, bet." Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, you know, it's it's funny how it all works out, man. Like. You don't, you don't necessarily understand what's going down. Um, but when you kind of see how it all plays out at the end, it, it just all makes sense. And so, yeah, you know, my sophomore year, moved to outside linebacker. Um, I remember spring ball, had a great spring, started getting recruited. Uh, you know, I was getting letters from Kansas, Baylor, Iowa, like some big-time schools. And so, you know, at that, eight, at that time I was probably 15, 16, and I'm thinking, like, okay – I can go play big time D one ball. Um, so I was, I was super pumped. Um, and then, so we go into my junior season and I actually didn't end up starting my junior year, which was super frustrating. Um, but I've always kind of been the person who was just going to grind and continue to work, even though I wasn't necessarily right where I wanted to be. Um, I was just going to continue to keep working and, and that's what I did. Um, but I, I didn't end up starting my junior year. And so, that's a big deal in Texas. You know, I've seen nowadays you see kids start to get offers in like eighth grade, seventh grade. And so when you're a junior and you're not getting like all the PT, that can take a big hit on your recruitment. And that's exactly what happened to me. You know, I got, I got some reps at linebacker my junior year, but a lot of what I was doing was special teams and uh, coaches definitely noticed that. And so it was honestly pretty crazy to watch how my sophomore year spring, I got a bunch of mail from big schools and then my junior year spring i had like stony brook which is like a d1 or it's like maybe it's a d3, it d3. i don't know it's a yeah yeah it's a small school maybe. in the northeast yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah small school in the northeast i was getting like you know stephen f austin um you know d1 double a school and you know those are great opportunities but me like coming from south Lake, i wanted to play d1 ball and so um you know, went through my junior year spring ball um, and actually let me back up because I'm not just going to ignore the fact that we won a state championship my junior year. So 16-0 and junior year, got the icy, the icy ring on my finger from that. Um, that, that was super cool. And, uh, you know, I, I'm sure you guys maybe experienced this. I mean, whenever you're playing a sport in high school, like you've got to rock the Letterman jacket. So I had the patches on the sleeves and I had the captain and I had this and that and I thought I was fly. Um, but that was definitely a dope experience. I mean, and it's pretty funny because I swear like we had players who would get pulled over, but they'd be rocking their state ring and the cops would be like, Oh, okay. y'all <laughs> boys are good. Keep, just keep winning.
2: Um, yeah, it's the, that's the kind of stuff you see like Texas high school football and like the movies and stuff. It's,
1: <laughs> that's it's a, real Different yeah. rules apply. <laughs>
0: yeah, dude, it is. It's real stuff. Um, but then, yeah, my senior year captain, uh like you said 128 tackles had a great season I think we went maybe to the fourth round of the playoffs you were all um, district, you too. yeah yep yeah, all district but that was really cool man because like it's all so much cooler when you look back at it um I mean obviously in the moment you're enjoying that but like when I look back at it and think about just some of the dudes I played against in high school like dude Kyler Murray just threw that, you know, game-winning touchdown to DeAndre Hopkins. Like, I played against him my senior year when he was a sophomore at Allen in their stadium opener. And, like, dude, when I tell you, first of all, Kyler was the backup quarterback. Their starting quarterback was Oliver Pierce, and he rocked number 26 at quarterback. He came in (laughs) – uh, and he was, a, he was a wrestler. I think he ended up going to OU and, like, just being a beast of a wrestler. But it was funny because, like, he started, but then Kyler came in. And I'm telling you, Kyler Murray, sophomore in high school, just tore us apart. Uh, like, they beat us 31 to nothing. Um, you know, we played against Miles Garrett, who obviously is a monster and a half. Like, we played against just, like, freaks, people who are in the league now. Um, And it's pretty cool to be able to say, like, you played against them when they were a kid and also to be able to say, like, they were doing that same stuff as a kid. I mean, one of my best buddies, is Kenny Hill, and, I mean, y'all saw Kenny Hill at A&M and then at TCU. Like, just, like, super cool, super cool stuff. Um, But, yeah, you know, had a good season my senior year and uh, ultimately didn't end up getting any offers until – like the spring of my senior year. And it was, it was kind of crazy because I knew I wanted to play college ball, but you know, when you don't have offers on the table, you have to make the decision of like, okay, am I going to pursue this? And, you know, just go somewhere and try out and see what happens or am I going to just say, all right, you know what? I have my time as an athlete. I'm just going to go focus on being a student and handle my business in the classroom and do whatever else. Um, but I knew that was a dream of mine and I had, I had worked really hard. I mean, from the time I was probably in seventh or eighth grade is when I started like really training and trying to change my body and be able to put myself in a position to go play at that next level. And my parents, you know, gave me the resources to do that. And so, you know, after coming that far, I was like, man, I gotta, I gotta make something shake. Um, but I actually, I did end up getting a couple offers. And so I remember sitting in class, um, that second semester of my senior year, got called down to the front office and a coach from the air force Academy was there. And I'll never forget this. Cause it was like, it was, it was just funny. He was like, Hey, um, you know, we really like your film. We like what you did this year. And we, we want to offer you a scholarship. And when he said that to me, I was like, okay, so you want to offer me a scholarship? Or are you offering me a scholarship? Cause like, okay. I don't really care if you want to, like, I, are you going to, um, and so they offered me a scholarship there, which obviously any military academy is a tremendous honor opportunity, all those things. And so that was, that was super humbling, uh, and awesome. And then after Air Force offered, um, along came Stephen F. Austin, um, which is that D1AA school and they offered me a scholarship as well.
1: Man, that's crazy. So they called you. They called you down from the office because I, I was called down from the office a few times in high school, but never, heard, never for like, <laughs> different reasons.
0: Right. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, oh, am I in trouble? Yeah. No, not
2: quite. Yeah. And then, so uh, you know, what what was it that made you choose SMU? What was the the ultimate uh, you know factor there? Yeah.
0: So, man, it was it was a tough decision um, because you take a scholarship opportunity, education paid for, you know, if you go to a military academy and you handle business, like you're pretty much setting yourself up for life because you're going to have a career coming out, you know, whether it's you're serving a four year commitment and then getting out into, you know, the workforce, or if you want to commit 20 years to it and make a career out of it, you know, people who go to the military academy, they're just different. Um, I was just talking to, to a doc this morning about the fact, cause he went to the Naval Academy for his training. And he was just saying like, those people are regimented and they're leaders and they're built that way. And and that's, that's what you get when you, you know, attend a service academy. And so, you know, that, that opportunity was crazy from the standpoint of like setting yourself up for life. Um, you know, being a military officer, both my parents were in the military. So they were like, oh my gosh, like our son's gonna go be in the military. Like we were like, Um my mom, my mom retired from the military as a lieutenant colonel. Um so like she she spent time, like that was her career. My pops was in four years and then got out, but still, I mean, like I said, it's it's an honor. Um Mm -hmm. and it's a free education. With Stephen F. Austin, you know, similar thing. I mean, it's D1AA, it wasn't exactly the level I wanted to be at, but it's free school, so you can't complain about that. But ultimately, You know, when I looked at everything I wanted in an opportunity, um, neither of those things really were what I was looking for. You know, I wanted to play what I felt like was big time D1 ball. And for me, SMU felt like that's D1 football. Like this is, that's the stage I want to be on. Um, The education at SMU is obviously fantastic. Um, I knew that, you know, academics being something that is very important to me I knew that that was going to set me up to have a great degree that was going to later on set me up to get a job and things of that sort. Uh, I wanted to be a little bit closer to home. I mean, SMU is right in the backyard of where I grew up. Um, and, you know, I feel like if you're going to be in the military, like you have to be fully committed to that because I know of a handful of people who, who took that route and they ended up, you know, transferring out because they couldn't handle the uh, you know, it's 21 course credit hours and the military commitment and the football. And that's not to say, I don't believe I could handle it because I definitely do, but I just knew that if my heart wasn't in it, it probably wasn't going to be the best situation for me. Um, and so it was crazy because, you know, thank God for my pops. I mean, we sent my film everywhere, like Minnesota, USC, Indiana. I mean, you name a school, they probably got my tape. You know, I don't know if they watched it, but they probably got it. Um, and the DC at SMU said, Hey, uh, you know, Jackson, we don't have any scholarships available, but we would love to have you be a preferred walk on. You can come play, you can compete for time early. And so ultimately, all those things that I was looking for just kind of lined up at SMU. And, uh, you know, hindsight being 2020, I don't think there was a better place for me to have gone to school.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's, that's a crazy that story is. and decision in general. Because, like, I had no idea, you know, you're. you're both your parents are both service members, and, you know, you got the offer from Air Force, and I'm, so I'm sure that, you know, weighed on your decision, made an impact, but the SMU just, you know, that was the program you kind of looked up to, and it was just the perfect storm, um, you know, once you spoke with that team, we got the preferred walk-on spot, so that's that's crazy, man, that's awesome.
0: Yeah, that's for cool. sure, dude, and yeah, another, another kind of interesting little side tidbit is that throughout the time that I was at Southlake, I think we played at SMU stadium at least like five times. Oh, really? And I never, I never noticed SMU like when I was playing there, it was just like, Oh, I'm going here to play a game. But the minute I came and visited as like a prospective student athlete, I was like, man, this place is dope. Like I, I got to go there. Um, so.
1: It's awesome, yeah. man. Well, speaking of SMU, let's jump to that. But one more question while we're on it, South Lake. It's an elite high school program. I've heard a lot of things about um, Texas programs, of course, watch Friday Night Lights. I just want to confirm with you. So is the cheerleaders, like, baking you stuff before game on game day, <laughs> dressing up your locker and stuff? Is yeah, that a real lock, thing? Like, I got to know. don't. Oh, I didn't grow up in Texas.
0: Dude, yes. I mean, like, we – so, so at South Lake you had cheerleaders and you had Emerald Bells, and the Emerald Bells like the drill team, they do the high kicks and whatnot. So, the uh, this is actually yeah, man, this is this is actually funny you ask because the the bells would like have a draft and they would get to pick their football players. So, like the bell captains would get first pick and they would go you know, down the line and pick out whatever football player they wanted. And then that football player would walk alongside them at like pep rallies. And then before every game, they would do a gift exchange. Um, yeah, dude, that stuff's no joke. No joke at all. And, of course, you know, I was a first-round draft pick, so. Yeah,
1: I was going to ask uh, you That's understood. It's
0: yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, That's yeah.
1: Fun, well, right on. Well, awesome. Well, you know, you make it to SMU. You choose SMU over Air Force and decide to go in as a walk-on. Um, let's talk a little bit about that freshman season. Like what was, I know you, I've known you for a couple of years now. You're a confident guy, but coming into the program as a walk-on, it's got a little, feel a little bit different, right? So like, how'd you approach that? You know, do you feel pressure at all to like have to work harder than some of the other scholarship players? Like, let's break that down a little bit further.
0: Yeah, man. Um, honestly, I- I've thought about this because it's a, it's a great question and I think that, me personally, like, I always have had this sense of, like, internal motivation. You know, work ethic's been something that's ingrained in me from the time I was a kid. And it's uh, it's something I still, like, try to put on display every day of my life, whether that's in the gym, whether it's in my career. Like, it's just you got to outwork everybody. Um, and I firmly believe that. And so coming into SMU – there was definitely, definitely a chip on my shoulder because nothing was free. It uh, used to blow my mind. I would have teammates who would be on scholarship and they would be taking things for granted. They would be smoking weed and failing drug tests and doing this and that. And I'd be like, man, like, you have the opportunity to get a free education at SMU and you're over here like blowing dro, like you're you're tripping. And so, Um, I was just super motivated because I, I believed in myself. I believed that I could play at that level. Um, and I wanted to get put on scholarship as quickly as possible. You know, the, the conversations I had with coaches previous or yeah, prior to getting there was, Hey Jackson, like you'll have an opportunity to get on the field early. Uh, you can make an impact. And I was like, bet, like, then let me do that. And so, um, I came to SMU that summer before freshman year started and, Man, it was it was an eye opening experience. I mean, because like we talked about, South Lake Carroll high school football. I mean, that's that's a miniature college program. And mm-hmm. to be honest, dude, when I first got to SMU, uh, SMU was not as difficult as South Lake. Uh, the summer strength conditioning program that I went through in high school was insane. Mm-hmm. The the summer strength conditioning program I went through my freshman year at SMU, I was like, this is child's play. <laughs> and so, you know, I don't know if it gave me the opportunity to stand out because I came from somewhere that was like a level up, but I think I was able to come in and really show that I was capable of being at that level because of where I came from. Um, I think being being a graduate of South Lake Carroll definitely prepared me for for college, um, for life in some senses, for sure. And so I came in and, and all I knew was I got to grind. I got to stand out. I got to outwork everybody. That's the only way I'm going to get put on scholarship. And man, I will never forget that freshman year either because like, you know, I come in, I work my tail off. And then that first game of the year we were playing Texas tech and the plan was to red shirt me. Um, and, the way that SMU did redshirts then was if you redshirted that you could be in the stands watching the game. You could be at the crib watching the game. Like they didn't really care what you were doing. And so literally my first game of my freshman year, I'm sitting in the stands with the people who I live at the dorm with. And I'm sure they're sitting there like, wait a minute. This dude's been, this dude's been saying he plays football. Like why is he in the stands? He's um, lying. Right, right. And so that, um, I think that just kind of fueled the fire. And like I went, I was definitely frustrated, obviously, by being there. Um, And I won't, I won't like really say it made me work even harder. But, you know, that next week, I went from being like bottom of the barrel scout team to moving down to the defense and rotating in with the threes. And I still spent some time on scout team, but I was rotating in with the threes at linebacker and I was getting more time on special teams. And I think just the work continued to be recognized. The fact that, you know, I was the guy who was getting in line to run down on scout team kickoff when no one else wanted to, like the coaches noticed that kind of stuff. And so very quickly I went from the stands to, you know, playing meaningful minutes on all special teams as a true freshman walk-on um and and then like it's like that situation when you get a little taste of success mm-hmm. and you see what's got you there and then it just kind of feels that fire and so you're just hungry for more so you want to continue to do those things that have gotten you to that position and continue to do other things to continue to stand out um so it was definitely it was a crazy experience man um just Dealing with transitioning from high school to college, not living at home, you have all the freedom in the world, but you also have so many you know things that you have to accomplish between football and school and man, by the end of my freshman year I was I was torched <laughs> um, but it but it was obviously a blessing to be able to play you know in what I guess ten out of a letter. I guess there's 12 games in a year, so 11 out of 12 games as a true freshman walk-on. I mean, yeah. I probably couldn't have written that out and told you it was going to happen.
2: Yeah, that's, that is really impressive. That's awesome. And, and I, uh, I want to bring it up. You said you started getting the, uh, the special teams wraps. And I'll preface it by saying I was, uh, I'm a TCU guy. Graduated oh, from- man. I, uh, heard you've Tough seen ask- oh, <laughs> Pretty big block pond to get to uh, TCU. Is that, that was your freshman year?
0: Yeah, man. Yeah. That was my freshman year. Um, and I, matter of fact, I don't know if this video, if the video gets posted, but I'll show you in my office. I got the, the photo of it right there. Um, me coming through. Um, yeah, that was nuts. I mean the play. So I was thinking about this and, you know, if you're a football fan and you understand special teams and how it all works, depending on the pump formation, Sometimes they'll spread them out. And so everybody's really spread out. Sometimes everybody will be real compact. So TCU had a formation where everybody was close together. So we on the defensive side, the return team, we bunched up and we had a stunt drawn up to where like there was a guy on both sides of me and they both went out. And then I pretty much had a free reign. um, And that's exactly how it went down. And I ran through there and (laughs) it's actually hilarious. I think, my family were definitely recorded the game back then. Um, and I might have the, the video on my laptop, but it's like, I blocked this punt and you literally see me like turn around and I'm like, just so hyped immediately after it happened. Like, it was like, I forgot I had to continue to play. Um, <laughs> But, yeah, that, that was super special, man, especially in a rivalry game. And, oh, no, for sure. Um, right in the backyard.
1: You got, you're getting playing time as, as a walk-on, as a freshman, on, on special teams alone and then come up with that play. I'm sure your coaches oh, yeah. and teammates, <laughs> man, they had to be going crazy for you.
0: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Everybody was loving it. And, I mean, they, they talk, talked about it on the, the replay. Like, oh, Jackson Mitchell walk on out of South Lake Carroll, the freshman, blah, blah, blah. Like, it's cool stuff, dude. I mean, it's like there's no doubt playing – collegiate sports in any capacity. Like, you just get to experience some pretty cool stuff. And that that was definitely a moment where I was like, man, this is dope. <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> man, w- what an epic story. Um, well, let's, let's take a second and fast forward here uh, to August 2015. Um, I understand you were uh, awarded a scholarship in, in pretty crazy fashion. There may have been, like, an office break-in kind of stunt pull. with Yeah. Football. Tell us a little bit about that day and kind of what it meant for you.
0: Yeah, man, that, so that was nuts. Um, and let me, I'll, I'll back up just a hair to give some like background information to the audience that, that made it even more meaningful. And so after my freshman year, I literally thought about quitting football. Like my body was beat up. Um, you know, I was a walk on. I wasn't, this wasn't paid for. I was just destroying my body every day for free. Like it, and I had just dealt with my freshman year and like just all these different factors were playing into my mind. I was like, man, like maybe I should just be a regular student and focus on academics and, you know, maybe, maybe football is not for me. Um, obviously I didn't end up doing that. Came back, played sophomore year and then the entire coaching staff got canned. And so at that moment I was like, man, this is, this could be the, the perfect thing for me. This is a clean slate with coaches who've never seen me play you know, maybe they maybe they have just in a little bit because, you know, they want to know who's on the team or whatever, but they don't really know who I am and what I'm about. And so this is an opportunity for me to show a whole new staff of guys what I bring to the table from a leadership perspective, from a player perspective, uh, and so on and so forth. And so they came in, and that's exactly what I did. You know, I grinded it out in the offseason, grinded out in spring balls, so on and so forth. And then um, to get to, to that point in time, I mean – it was just crazy, man. Like we, you know, we had a a leadership council that was selected by coaches over that, the summer um, leading up to August, 2015. And I was one of those leadership guys. And so we were doing player led workouts and, and all this different stuff. And it was all just feeling like it was feeling like things were clicking, but I still hadn't earned that scholarship just yet. Um, and I continued to grind. And so to, to now get to that, what you're talking about, Barton. Um, they, it was fall camp and there was a murmur around the facility that somebody had broken into coach's office and stolen some stuff. And I don't remember exactly how the word got like into the locker room, but I kid you not, I remember being between like our morning practice and afternoon meetings. And, you know, everybody's laying around the locker room, just waiting. And everybody's like, gossiping, like, oh my gosh, did you hear about this? Like, I can't, I wonder who did it. I wonder what they took, like, this is crazy. Um, and all this different stuff. And so we go into that team meeting and Coach Morris is like, man, um, I'm super disappointed. And, and, it, and it was at a unique time because there was construction going on. So the coach's office was like off in a different building. Right. It was just like this weird scenario. Um, but he's like, man, I'm, I'm super disappointed there's been some stuff stolen from my office. I would, you know, I would hope that no one on this team would do that. Um, but you know, I have a list of things that have been stolen and I'm going to read them off. And and to your point, there's a cop, like there's a cop in the hallway. This seems like super legit and everybody's like, dog, who, like who would do this? Um, but you know, he pulls out this manila folder and pulls out a paper and he says, Garrett Kerstich, you've been awarded a scholarship. And Garrett, man, that's a, that's a really good buddy of mine. And he, his story's is incredible. Uh, fifth-year senior guy from California, like just one of the best people you'll ever meet. And uh, he, he was a quarterback. He got awarded a scholarship. And so it was this unique moment because I was super thrilled for my buddy. But I was like, man, like that's, that's my scholarship out the window. And so like, I'm like, I'm hyped for him. But at the same time, I'm like, man, I've been working my tail off. I've been leading like, you know, what more do I need to do? Yeah. Right. Um, and so to make, to, to make me even more uneasy at that moment, coach Morris is like, all right, well, uh, we're going to go to special teams meetings from here. And I'm sitting there like, wow. Like, <laughs> all right. But, um, but then he's like, but first, I got another folder here and Jackson Mitchell I'll reward you a scholarship. And man, oh. I just like that, that was unlike anything else. I mean, the weight, the weight off my shoulders of feeling like there's a financial burden on my family um, feeling like I deserve a scholarship when I hadn't been awarded one and knowing that I was just going to continue to work regardless of whether or not I had it, like all those things that made me want a scholarship they just, they went away, and it was like, wow, finally, I'm recognized for what I bring to the table as a leader, as a player, um, just as a person on this team, like, it it felt so good, and then I got, you know, to call my parents, and I think my mom, dad, and sister were, like, on vacation at that point in time in Colorado or something, and so I FaceTimed them, and uh, to be able to tell them, and, and hear them scream on FaceTime in front of all my teammates, and to be able to have my teammates react with the excitement they did that their boy had been awarded. Like Mm -hmm. just feelings that you don't, you can't really put into words. Um, It's super, super special. And then at that point you feel like, all right, now all I got to think about is balling, like nothing else. And so that, that definitely was that, I feel like that was uh, to some degree, like the turning point in my career.
1: Money, man. Well, that's what a story. I mean, that is that is crazy. And obviously, Z and I, we weren't in the in that locker room or or part of that team. Um, But just from knowing you for a couple of years now, I know you put the work in and and that scholarship was well deserved. So just hearing it, that story gave me chills and and congrats. I I know, um, you know, you turned the rest. You made the most of the rest of your career at SMU after that point. Um, No doubt. Really. You know, came up right. You were voted a captain um, before the 2015 season, and um, you know, so after that, you, you were just kind of on the come up from there.
0: No doubt, man. Yeah, I uh, like I said, I felt like that kind of clicked everything into place. And uh, my junior year, I was like splitting t- uh, splitting time with another guy, um, but then midway through the season, I became the starter, and then. You know, like you just mentioned, I was, you know, selected a team captain for my senior season. I got to go to, to media day up in Rhode Island and eat, like, the lobster bake on the, the water and whatnot. Like, do the interviews, the photo shoots. Like, it was literally like a dream, dude. I mean, my face was on a poster on campus. And like I mentioned earlier about just my freshman season, I mean, like, if you would have asked me before I went to SMU, like, tell me what you'll be doing your senior season. I don't think I would have told you I'm going to be a team captain. I'm going to go to media day. Uh, You know, I'm going to do these things. I probably been like, Oh, you know, I don't know, dude. Like hopefully I get some PT. I I don't, I don't know what I would have said, but it was definitely more than I could have imagined out of a college football experience for sure.
2: Yeah, that's, that's really awesome. Um, I, we did just want to know. So, uh, you talked about a few of the names you you played against in high school, Kyler and miles garrett um and then we' just wondering, including college as well who were uh, you know the, the top guys you ever played against against oh, yeah. you know one or two names of the players yeah. that really stood out to you who who were the toughest to go up against
0: Well, I mean Johnny Manziel was definitely. Crazy. I mean, my dude, my sophomore year, Johnny Manziel just like he did whatever he wanted on the field. It was crazy, and it's like he's not that big. He's not. He's probably not that strong. But dude was just fast and could throw the ball. Was agile. Like he just. I mean, he was Johnny football. Like yeah. to to a T. Um, and then I'm trying to think, man. I mean, I played against some like some really good players, like. Marlon Max are running back in the league now. Um, shoot, man, we just – we played against some studs. And I'm really, I'm really mad that I'm blanking on some of them right now. But, I mean, shoot.
1: I don't know how many ex-SMU football players listen to this podcast, so maybe it won't be uh, too constant. Who was – you know, who was the best guy you had a chance to play with at SMU?
0: Yeah, so, I mean, the question I feel like has a couple different answers. Um, obviously, we all know Corlin Sutton. Yeah. Uh, with the Denver Broncos now dude was it was hilarious because he was a safety uh, his freshman year he was a safety and you know turned to a wide receiver and watching him go from this like lanky skinny freshman to this like big body wideout who was just mossing everybody that was nuts uh, Trey Quinn was a great football player and I actually didn't play with him I played with him but he was redshirted that year so he was on scout team like Torching our defense. Um, So you got Corlin, you got Trey, those guys are notable. They both went to the league. Um, But as far as just like great football players go, I mean, one of my best buddies is Matt Davis quarterback Mm -hmm. dudes, a freak athlete. Um, And then, you know, as far as defensively goes, um, Darian Malines. So he, his first three years, I believe was Darian Richardson. Okay. Um, Flo- safety from Florida senior year he was Darian Malines uh that's his that's his uh his actual last name and so he man it's just like he's one of those guys who just was such a good and smart football player I mean he started like he got on the field started as a true freshman when he was rocking number 43 at safety like just a random number they gave him right um but he was a freak man I mean like nobody hits harder than him uh-huh. uh and he wasn't necessarily like you know a four three four four guy when it came to speed but he was always in the right place at the right time I mean dude's just just a straight up baller um and so when I'm thinking about like who were some of the best players I played with it's got to be D Mill uh, for sure on the defensive side
1: of the ball 100 percent and uh the only the only other question I got regarding um the SMU teammates you had I know you were uh we actually had a chance to play play together a little bit, some intramural hoops in Deadman at SMU. Yep. I gotta I gotta know besides J Mace because I know you can go with yourself, but who <laughs> who is uh, who's the best intramural hooper you play with uh, who was on the football team?
0: Man, there were a few. There were a few. I mean you got this dude named Jordan Wyatt, he was defensive back, um, mm-hmm. super fast, super strong, had a nice jumper. Um, your boy P dirty. Jordan oh. Seaver. Uh Jordan, Jordan's funny man. He's he's got a big body, um, but he's got a little finesse to him. So I mean he used yeah, to I hit some lie. sky hooks, yeah. had a nice little elbow jumper. Um Will Ginley's Florida boy. Uh yeah. he's pretty nice. Yeah. Uh, yeah, there were there were a handful of guys that could hoop a little bit.
2: Right on nice. That's awesome. Well. Uh that's that's awesome to hear about all the your uh your playing career and everything, but we did want to uh hit on what you're up to now. Um and so you are are running a podcast called the Walk on Mentality. Um would love for you to just touch on that, tell us when you started and, and um how that's going.
0: Yeah, so walk on mentality podcast, man. I'm I'm uh I graduated in class twenty seventeen, so coming up on four years post grad. Um, And I've had, I've had a few different jobs, finally have settled into the right fit for me, what I feel like is going to be my my career. Um, But as I've gone through these jobs, I've kind of had these moments where I felt, like, man, my mentality is helping me get through whatever the situation is, right. And so I feel like, as I really thought about what that meant, I feel like a lot of who I am, and how I live my life is related to some of the things I experienced as a walk-on, you know, when you take things like being the first person there and the last person to leave and doing things that not necessarily everybody wants to do, um, you know, kind of being a bottom of the barrel guy, but still being willing to show up and grind and do whatever's asked to you. Those things I feel like are completely translatable to your career Um, professionally. So like what I do now for work, I'm an orthopedic sales rep. And I, I just find myself thinking like, Oh, my gosh, this is the same stuff I experienced when I was playing football. And I think I mean, to a degree, you know, people will say that playing a sport in college prepares you for the real world and that you get experiences playing college sports that you wouldn't get otherwise. And I firmly believe that. But I feel like being a walk on adds another element because at the end of the day, I don't feel like anything is owed to me. I feel like whatever I'm trying to achieve, I'm gonna to have to grind for. And I feel like those principles are things that, you know, should be applied by everybody, regardless of walk-on, regardless of whether you're a, an accountant or a sales rep or a project manager, you know, whatever the case may be, like you, nobody owes you anything. Um, And so that kind of gave me the idea of this walk on mentality podcast. And then I was like, okay, well, you know, I know my story and I know, you know, obviously I know all the intimate details of my story, but I was like, there's gotta be other cats out here who walked on and who feel the same way about their experiences of walk on. I can't be the only one. And it's actually crazy how what I feel tight knit the walk on community is because as I've kind of launched and tried to grow this thing, like the people who I've reached out to and been like, Hey, this is my idea. Do you want to be part of it? They're like, man, that's a great idea. I would love to, because I mean, who doesn't want to tell their story and who doesn't want to, um, you know, share how that stuff is translated for them. And, you know, I think I have probably 13, 15 episodes at this point in time. And I know for me, it's been like so awesome to, um, to hear these other guys' stories and and allow them to share their stories. Because there's kids who are, you know, juniors, seniors in high school who don't have scholarship opportunities, and they're probably like, man, I don't know if I should do it. But, but maybe hearing the story of Summit Hogue um, and how his walk-on journey has translated to him now being the CEO of a company at, like, 27, maybe hearing that is the fuel they need to say, like, all right, I'm gonna do it. Maybe, maybe hearing Tanner Jacobson's story—the guy who was undersized and um, you know went to Texas Tech as a walk-on, undersized safety, ended up starting as a true freshman before he left for his mission trip to BYU, and then came back and played you know the rest of his career at BYU. Like maybe that's the fuel they need. But not only that, maybe it's the person who's you know off into their career and they're like, man, you know I'm off in my career, but maybe I can use this tidbit of like being humble and being willing to do you know that quote-unquote bottom-of-the-barrel work um, for my team maybe that maybe that's what they need to kind of reignite the fire they have for the work they do whatever the case may be man I think one of the most important things to me just as a person like my mission in life is to impact as many people as I can and so I feel like I can do that through my job for sure but it's also cool to have this other outlet where I feel like sharing other people's stories can help encourage, you know, whoever's listening. Um, so that was kind of a long winded answer, but that's how I kind of came up with the idea. And then I, and I started it probably, I mean, it was sometime during, you know, the stay at home order. Um, (laughs) so like probably what what month is it? November, maybe like May, June, uh, um, timeframe somewhere around there.
1: sense. Well, yeah, man. I love the concept. Like there's certain lessons, I'm sure all the guys you've had on the show, any walk-on learns, just going through that and uh, takes a certain type of mindset mentality, like your podcast name, the walk-on mentality to have success as a walk-on in those shoes. And so um, if they can take the lessons they learn um, as a walk-on and translate them throughout the rest of their life, that's an awesome story to tell. So the concept, man, that's A1. That's awesome.
0: Absolutely. I appreciate it.
2: Yeah. So, um, you know, in terms of other walk-on athletes that are out there, who who would be your dream guest to have on? Who are the, uh, the big-time walk-on guys that have, have made it big now?
0: So, a couple guys on my podcast already have been guys who've made it to the league. Um, but, I mean, we know the big names, you know, the J.J. Watts, the Baker Mayfields, um, shoot the I mean there's a long list of guys I mean dude Scotty Pippen was a walk-on I don't know if you guys knew that but Scotty Pippen like was a basketball manager and like walked on the team and look at what he did in his career so I definitely have a list of kind of dream guests you know I'm I'm trying to get it to to grow I feel like I feel like all it's going to take is one big name for people to like oh okay like maybe maybe this is something worth doing um but you know, it's a slow grind. It's a slow grind. Um and the the key though is that it's fun, you know. Mm-hmm. I feel like you can get you can't you can't get too hung up on like, oh, I need the big name. Oh, I need the big name. I think in my opinion it'd be really cool to have those big names, but like dude, I'm telling you these these cats who come walk on and don't get put on scholarship, but they play all four years and they stick it out, like those are some cats who you like that's who you want to be on your squad because they, they never, I mean, they had great experiences obviously, but they never had that moment of like it all paid off necessarily, you know, but they stuck it out and they grinded and they had those life lessons. So it's like, shoot, any, anybody who's got a story to tell is welcome on my podcast really.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, man. The, the resolve that you'd have to have to be in there for four years and, and not get awarded. It's, it's crazy, but I I completely, Understand where you're coming from. Those are the guys you want to go to war with, and uh, who have that crazy mentality. That's that's good stuff. And uh, uh, I, I'm a big fan of the show, man. I've been listening. My my personal favorite episode was uh, was episode number two when you, when you had Dick, Dylan Dickman on, man. Anytime yeah. you used to listen to that guy chop it up. And, you know, <laughs> more um, yeah. nah, that, I love that, kid. And so that that was my favorite. But um, I love what you're putting out there. I love what you're doing. Um, you can continue support and follow, man. It's it's good stuff.
0: I appreciate it man and, and it's right back at uh Point of Drew. i want to see everybody take off
1: man
2: yeah we we appreciate that um so I mean, you did just touch on it. It is a slow grind and and you know you have some big dreams for it, but what do you see the future looking like?
0: man, I'm gonna be honest um it's been i I've been off for a few weeks um work's been kind of crazy, but man i would love I would love for it to to really blow up. Cause I do think, I really do think that, you know, of course could be biased because it's my idea, but I think this show can impact a lot of people. I think, I really do think it's a really good idea. Um, And my, you know, my hopes is to have, um, you know, merch that says walk on mentality that says "Philo," which is my hashtag, you know, first in last out, Um, wristbands, you know, to have these big name guests from time to time, And to really, to have somebody say like, Hey, this is, this is dope content. Like we want to, we want you to throw a little ad in there for us or whatever it might be. You know, I think, I think maybe I'm crazy, but I don't think anybody's making a podcast just to make a podcast. Like, I think everybody's trying to get a little bread out of it at some point. Right. So shoot, if, if somebody wants to pay me to advertise in the podcast, like, okay, say less, (laughs) um, but I really, like I said, man, I just wanted to reach as many people as possible and whether it's the the sophomore, junior in high school or the junior in college who still hasn't gotten that scholarship or the professional, whoever it is, I just want it to, to impact people.
1: Yeah, no doubt in my mind, man, it's uh, it's impacting lives and, and hopefully changing them for the better. And so that's 100% the point. I know that's what you're in it for. And so... Uh, Yeah, I can't wait. I can't wait to see you take off and and blow up uh, because that'd be a lot of fun to see.
0: Yeah, yeah, you guys too.
1: (laughs)
2: Yeah, I appreciate it. All right, we we do have one last question for you. Um, So on every episode of our podcast, um, we pick the – we call it Jersey Corner. We pick the best athlete that's ever worn the jersey number that corresponds to uh, the episode number. So this is going to be episode number 11. Wondering if you have a pick for the best athlete that's ever worn number eleven. Man,
0: this is this is a tough question, and uh, I honestly googled like a list of people who rocked eleven because yeah. I was like, man, I don't, I don't even know. Um, and there's definitely some notable ones on there. Um, I think you know, first and foremost, shout out Jordan Siebert, SMU quarterback, freak yeah. athlete. Um, <laughs> but but really, I mean, you know, I saw like. Julio Jones is on that list, Yao Ming, uh, Isaiah Thomas, you know, some some freaks. And I think when I really thought about, like, not necessarily from a pure athleticism standpoint, but from a standpoint of, like, what they've done over the the course of their career and also what they continue to do at this stage in their career, Larry Fitzgerald um, jumped, jumped off the sheet at me because that dude is, like, I think he's like 36 maybe and he's still in the league still you know starting receiver for the cardinals still making receptions like i can't remember exactly what his stats were but i look i had looked up his stats sometime over the last few months because my buddy who's a marine out in uh, one of the carolinas played golf with him so i looked him up and this dude at 36 is still just like bringing in receptions bringing in the yak yards like he's still somehow making it happen. And I know how my body feels after playing football for, you know, 12, 13 years. So if I, if I tack on another, you know, uh, whatever, like 10 years to that or however many years, I don't know, I'm not a math major, but if I tack on that time and imagine the, the, the hits he's taken playing at the NFL level, like, the dude is a freak. Like, there's no question about it. The dude is a freak. Um, but honestly, I would be curious to know what y'all thought, because, you know, I looked this list up and I and I really kind of had a hard time deciding. But what do you guys think?
2: So uh, Larry Fitzgerald, definitely a name that I would, would, would throw out there. I think uh, I think my ultimate answer is going to be Isaiah Thomas, though. OK, uh, OK. Yeah. You to roll with the the bad boy, Piston, Isaiah Thomas, the, uh, the badass dude right there. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. Larry Fishman,
1: I love that answer. That's perfect.
2: Yeah, no doubt. Absolutely. Well, hey, we really appreciate you coming on, man. We would love it if you just told the uh, listeners here where they can find you.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the podcast has an Instagram. It's at the Walk On Mentality Podcast, one word. Um, you know, I'm on all platforms. I'm on Spotify, Apple Music. Just look up the Walk On Mentality Podcast with Jackson Mitchell. I also have my personal at jmitchdoe j-m-i-t-c-h-d-o-e-e that's two e's respected e's yes, sir. um but yeah y'all y'all show love man give it a follow give it a comment whatever share it with your friends like i said earlier i'm just trying to reach people so um all all interaction is appreciated and welcome
1: yes sir man well i love your story i love your podcast i really appreciate you coming on J. Mitch. it was great to catch up um let's do it
2: again
0: yeah man i really appreciate you guys having me and i am really excited to watch point of drew take off this has been a blast
2: i appreciate it man we'll talk to you soon awesome brother Thank all right you. all right man there it was what an awesome interview with jackson mitchell uh it was awesome to have him on and let him talk to the people uh Really enjoyed that one, Jay Mitch, man. He's
1: he's the goat. Awesome guy, uh, awesome story, and so really appreciate him coming on. And, and, and speaking of uh, of guests of, of interviews, we got some awesome ones upcoming. Uh, so everyone, stay tuned. Uh, we'll be announcing those on social media here in the in the coming weeks. But um, some really great guests uh, on the docket in the next few weeks, and so um, looking forward to bringing those interviews to you guys.
2: Definitely, we have a lot to cover in the next couple of weeks. Uh, we didn't even touch on the you know the NBA draft and NBA free agency on, on this episode. Uh, we kind of wanted to just wait till everything irons out and is all settled down, and then uh, we'll really you know dive into that, break it down for you guys let you know who's in a good spot shout out to my blazers looks like we are in a good spot <laughs> but uh we'll, we'll dive into that as well in the coming episodes as barton mentioned we got some awesome guests lined up um so stay tuned for that check us out on social media at point Drew podcast uh we'll likely be throwing you guys some uh some nfl locks on thanksgiving day uh that, that you can bet on and uh yeah just you know keep listening we appreciate it keep subscribing yep, and uh you know we really appreciate you guys yeah fire content
1: coming so so stay tuned and in the meantime you guys know the drill like rate review and above all subscribe Smash Smash that. Week. peace